Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm sitting here with Arden Bevere. He is the author of the book, Redefined, Confronting the Labels That Limit Us. But you may also know him as one of John and Lisa Bevere's four sons. And um, I'm just so honored to have him here. I did want to mention John and Lisa Bevere because you may be familiar with them and um, really all of their best-selling books and all of their wisdom, but I want to say, um, having read through Arden's book, having listened to him on various podcasts, he carries his own message, uh, not only for his generation, um, but I'm going to say for all of us as well. And so this book really is peeling off these um, labels and maybe lies we have believed about ourselves. And um, really peeling those off is going to help us walk more freely in who Christ has made us to be, uh, but also just in um, all that um, all that he has for us. Um, I do want to have a little plug as well for his dad's latest book, X, because I think really these two books go hand in hand. So um, don't pause the show, but later on, go to Amazon or go to Messenger International or Arden's going to tell us where, pick up those books. Because uh, I think those are going to be two things that are really key to you thriving in 2021. So Arden, welcome. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. I would agree with you because I, my dad and I were talking about it the other day. And I said, I feel like the book that I wrote helped people grab hold of their calling. And then his book helps them multiply it. And so just walking in those messages, I think is absolutely crucial. But as you said, I am the youngest of four boys. So I was always... Uh, picked on. I was beat up by all my older brothers, but the joke came back on them because as you know, adversity shows, it always grows back. And so I actually grew up, I was bigger, I'm bigger than all of them now, uh, stronger than all of them. So it, that's just a message for all of those older siblings. You just got to be nice to the younger that siblings. Is spoken like a true youngest brother. Man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> tell those stories. Um, before we get going, can you actually just clarify right off the top, where where should people be buying your book and your dad's book? Yeah. Can you just... yeah. So the best place I always say to buy it, and ho hopefully it's the same in Canada, but the best place I always say is uh, Amazon, just because they'll get it to you so quick and they normally get offer the best price and free shipping. Um, but if they want to find out more about uh, the book or what we do for sons and daughters, they can go to ArdenBevere.com. Um, if they want to get my dad's book, they can go to messengerinternational.org and they can find my book there as well. But just going to ArdenBevere.com will give them uh, just kind of the heartbeat behind everything. And actually as well, we have a quiz on there that you can go and you can test it and see if there's some labels that you have to overcome for yourself. Good. I love that. Um, now, you also are one of the co-founders of something called Sons and Daughters. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So Sons and Daughters... Um, is a ministry that was started by my brothers and my wife and my sisters. 
And we started this idea of we wanted to see, and this might be a little countercultural, but what we really believe is that we think, you know, hey, the problem in the world today is not a lack of sons and daughters of God. It's a lack of sons and daughters of God who have stepped into the fullness of what that actually means. And so what we do as a ministry is that we want to equip sons and daughters to operate in the work of the ministry. I think a lot of people have accepted this idea that their whole role in, as being a Christian is go to church, you know, every week, hopefully bring someone to church and hopefully your pastor preaches the perfect message. And then you get, they like, they get saved. Like, that's awesome. But the Bible actually frames it completely opposite. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 12, it says the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and apostles, the fivefold ministry is all there for the equipping of us, the saints to do the work of the ministry. Um, and so that's what we want to do is we want to make sure that the, the positions, the giftings that God has placed on your life um, are being utilized and that you have the teaching and the equipped, the backing to help you walk that out in your life. Well, that's so awesome. I'm also going to link to that in the show notes because I think, um, especially if you are listening and you happen to be in your 20s or 30s, this is a great resource geared uh, directly to you. And they they cover some really great topics um, as well. Arden has a podcast where they are going to, they're not holding back from any of the podcasts or any of the hard topics. Uh, what is the name of your podcast? Yeah, it's called Let's Talk About It with Sons and Daughters. The whole purpose behind the podcast is we wanted to have the hard conversations uh, amongst you know people that we trusted. So we just had a, a podcast all around abortion. We just did another one that was all around um, identity, where you know you can you know self-identify or change genders, things like that. We wanted to have that conversation, um, not to bring our opinion to the mix, because we try to make sure in every single podcast we do not say, "Hey, this is what I think." We try to always put what does the Word of God say, and that's our basis and that's our foundation. Well, it reminds me of a quote from your mom, um, who often would say something like, um, you know, we are having the right conversations with the wrong people. And so what does it actually look like to be having those conversations in the word of God? And I think really that's a great segue into your book, because you're not just identifying labels and saying, hey, let's throw this off. And instead, let's just let's think about what would be a nice replacement. But you've actually done the work which makes this book so rich is that you've done the work at saying biblically, like, what does the word of God say about us? And I've heard you say like this, I, I mean, you've said this generation, but I'm going to say like really across the board, I think people, people don't know what the word of God says about them. They know what Instagram says about them. They know what the latest self-help book says about them, but it's just David that. pastor. <laughs> yeah, that's the place where we're actually going to get the transformation. So yeah. let's dive into your book. And how did this book come about? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, exactly what you just said is that that's where the true transformation comes is from knowing what the word of God. And I've, I've had so many conversations. I went to Bible college and I would have conversations and this book was birthed out of just wanting to see more from my generation. And I'd have conversations with people where I'm helping them, you know, as we're in Bible college together and helping them, discipling them. And I'd be like, well, what, what do you feel like God's been speaking to you recently? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, what have you read recently in the, in the, in the word? And they'd be like, oh man, I haven't really read the word in about three months. And I'm like, well, what are you wanting to do with your life? They're like, oh, I want to be a, become a pastor. And I'm like, why are you not reading the word of God? I'm like, that is the most essential tool that you have as a, you know, as a believer uh, and not regardless of if you want to become a pastor or not, just because, as I said before, 
we're supposed to be equipped for the work of the ministry. And so this came kind of out of that place. Um, I remember five years ago, my brother had asked me, he said, hey, as a ministry, we want to help target the young adult generation better. This was before we had sons and daughters established. Um, and I remember I went into our conference room and I started writing down all the things I thought this generation was. And I said, you know, we're creative, we're innovative. I was like, we're hipsters, we're, you know, pioneers. And I was trying to go through this list. And I remember I was like, you know what? I need more help. And, and I went and I posted on Facebook. I hardly ever post on Facebook, but I asked the question to my audience and I said, you know, hey, if you could describe the young adult generation in one word, what would it be? And I remember that question started a massive uh, influx of responses. And they were all things from my generation and they were things that were negative, things like broken, entitled, dis disillusioned, discouraged, fearful, addicted. And my heart was breaking as all of these things were coming in, because I think for so long, you know, people have kind of looked at my generation and been like, yeah, that's a millennial. Like, you know, that that's them. This kind of, they got dealt a bad hand and that's the reality of it. And even in 2020, there was a lot of labels that were placed on this generation, placed on people. And the people reacted based off of those labels rather than acting upon what God says about them. And I remember as I was sitting there watching all of these negative things come in, God began to give me scripture that was counteractive to what those negative things that were saying. And I remember the first scripture that he showed me, and it was actually the translation I went to was, um, it was in uh, second, it was in first Peter chapter two, verse nine. And it was, but you are not those people. It says you are a, tr a royal priesthood, a chosen nation. And, and so I remember um, this got birthed out of a place of a heart cry for my generation, because what I did was I, God told me, he said, take all of those negative words and begin to journal about them. And so this was never supposed to be seen by anyone. It was just me journaling. I'd write the word. I'd write why it was believed that that's been said over a generation. And then I would put the scriptures that God had shown me um, that were counteractive to what was being written about them. And as I did that, I began to discover the difference between labels versus cons because God does not label his people. He calls them. And a label speaks to all the things that you have done in the past. It speaks to the things that can be seen in the natural. So who you are in this moment, the, the, the problems that you may be going through, the trauma, the pain, the, the situations that you've responded to. But a calling speaks to the potential that God has placed on your life, the potential that he has given you. And I think when we define ourselves based off of labels, we live based off of the here and then. We live off of what has happened. We live... Uh, limited to the present rather than living for eternity. And a calling speaks to the eternity that God's placed on our heart, the design that he has for us. And so that's what I want to see from my generation, that we're not bound by these labels, that we begin to redefine them and live based off of what the call of God has on our life. Well, if that doesn't make you want to buy his book, I'm not really sure what will. Um, two things also really stood out to me there. First of all, um, Arden started journaling in a way he was not trying to turn this into a book, uh, but he was just writing th these things down and he was listening. And I think like he was listening for the truth. I think that's something each of us can do as we leave here in this moment is say, what are the labels? What are the lies I've been believing? And what is the truth? God, what does your word say about who I am? And Right away, uh, it came to mind this idea of being too sensitive. That's been something that um, was definitely a label that I carried. And what I have come to realize is that God created me in a sensitive way so that I'm able to be aware of 
tiny things that other people won't see that I'm able to pick up on and being able to write about them, speak about them, share about them in a way that people can go, oh, like that's, that is kind of this aha moment. And I can sit with somebody and, and be aware of facial expressions or other things about them. So my negative label is actually this gift. And if I walk around seeing it as a negative, I'm never going to experience the fullness of who God has created me to be. I love that. I love And I love that you've been able to identify something on your life and then flip it. Cause I think that's the whole purpose and, and really grabbing hold of what that, that word is, because there's some uh, words within the book that um, I don't take uh, just the opposite of the word. I actually show that like within the chapter of doubt or regret, I actually show that those things can actually be used as positives and those things can actually be flipped and they can be precursors that will launch you into your destiny. And I think that's what I think a lot of people will do is if they allow a label to come on them, they just accept that. And then they allow that to be the end of their story rather than seeing what God is doing through that, which comes through what the word of God says about, like, as you said, you, as you learned more about it, you were able to see what God, why did God create you this way? Um, I think a lot of times when we allow labels to be placed on us, we miss out on why God created us in such a way. I remember um, I was in special needs reading and writing programs all the way through my freshman year of high school. And I never thought that this uh, writing a book was ever something that would be possible. Um, I joked about it my senior year with my, my teacher because he knew my parents were authors. And he was like, yeah, he's like, that's definitely not something you'll ever be. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's 100% true. And I, I laughed at them and I was like, you know, what? like if I, if I ever do write a book, I'm for sure coming back here and I'm giving you one of those books. And so I was able to do that. And I, and I just think it's funny, like it, it, God has worked such an amazing story um, and the book process for me took five years because a lot of the labels that I wrote about were things I had to personally walk through. They were things I navigated. I wanted to make sure, uh, look, I'm 26 years old. I do not have everything figured out. I am far, far from it. Um, I always want to remain as teachable as I am uh, today as when I'm on my deathbed. Um, but I wanted to come from a place of, hey, I've walked through this. I went through the pain. I went through the struggle. Let me kind of help you as a brother and, and really kind of show you what I learned and what God had shown me during that time of, of you know, trauma, pain or whatever that I went through. Um, because I think God just, he does an amazing thing of flipping um, those labels. Like even, even the, I talk about brokenness um, and how God is able to use the brokenness and how the world just basically tells us, you know, hey, show, like hide all your weaknesses and show me just your strengths. Right. But God says like, hey, I actually work through your brokenness. So show me your weaknesses and I will make you strong in that. And I think that's just beautiful. Well, I think exactly what you said, um, that writing and all of those things, that didn't come naturally to you. And so in many ways, that is God being highlighted in that brokenness, but also just that idea of, I love the phrase, like calling, calling the gold out of people or really being able to call into people or say into people what they are before you see the evidence of it. And yeah. I know your mom did such a great job of that. And I'd love for you to tell that story because I know that I have a lot of moms who are listening. And there's also probably a lot of moms who are listening that are going, oh, like what, what are the labels that I have let slip out of my mouth about my kids to my kids? And I just want to say here, 
listen, there is so much grace for you here. Before we started recording, Arden was telling me about his mom, you know, speaking it like it was, but also, you know, having so much grace uh, for the kids. And I was like, okay, that makes me feel better because I feel like I can do that too. Like I, I have called one of my kids too sensitive and I'm like, what? Like what? even as it's coming out, I'm like, why am I saying that when I know that that's my own thing? And so we've, you know, we've, I've apologized. We've, we've talked through it. However, I do want to talk about what it looks like, um, whether it is mom speaking over their kids um, or to our friends, what it looked like to kind of call that out in people. And just tell me the story of what that looked like for you growing up, what your mom would say over you boys, especially as you were fighting and yeah. wrestling and yeah. things. Well, yeah, exactly what you said, my mom. And we honor our parents so much just because of the amazing parents that they have been, but they they were not perfect at all. They were far from it. They fought a ton, but they fought really well. We always shifted things to not fighting people, but fighting for things. Um, and so, you know, I think that whole idea of speaking to the potential and frameworking the identity that something that you want to see for someone, it's always easy to speak to the thing that you see in the moment, the natural thing. Like, yeah, this, for me, like talking about this generation, it's like, you can look at the natural and be like, yeah, this generation might be headed for doom and gloom. But what leaders and what parents I think should always do is that they should speak to the purpose that in the identity inherits because it's harder to do. It's harder to see past the the, the the moment and speak to the future. And I remember what my parents would always do, um, I think this is the, probably what you're thinking about, is my parents would always do something we hated as kids and we did not understand. But when we were in those moments, when we talked back to them, we said something wrong, we lied, we you know snuck out or did something wrong, they would always call us princes. And it did not make any sense because I'd be like, mom, are you from some royal lineage that you don't, you didn't tell me about? I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Why are you calling me a prince? And she'd be like, no, you're a prince of the most high God and princes don't act like that. And what they did is when we were kids, we didn't understand that. Like we didn't understand what it meant to be a son or a daughter of God. We didn't understand what it means to be a prince or a princess of God. And it wasn't because, you know, you know, them calling us princes wasn't because of our family's last name or because there was a special calling on our life. No, it was because we were sons and daughters, or just sons, but, you know, speaking all, all across the board, sons and daughters of God. And what they did is they began to frame out that identity for us that as we grew up as men, we begin to understand when we re read the word of God, understood what it said about being a son of God and what it meant to be a prince of God. And we begin to walk in that identity and inheritance that my parents had framed out from us since we were kids. Um, I remember I was the only son that walked away from God. And it was actually the thing that brought me back to God was two, was two things. The first thing was the fear of the Lord, which I think is absolutely, you know, some people say they got saved by the love of God. I got saved by the fear of God. But it was also um, the words that my parents had spoken over uh, me since I was a kid. No matter how far away I tried to run from those, those words were always the things that were bringing back. They were always the things that were resonating in my mind. When my parents talked to me and told me, you know, hey, you have, you have been born for an inheritance of the kingdom of God. You've been born as a steward of the kingdom of God. Those things would continue to resonate in my mind. When I was making a wrong decision, I'd be like, wait, I, I, I was supposed to be called for a higher purpose. I'm supposed to be set apart. Why am, why am I doing this? And it just continued to keep bringing it back. So any moms listening to that or parents listening to that, I think that is so important. And regardless, like, like I said, it did not take root. And when we were kids, we didn't understand it. We thought our parents were crazy. We're like, what are you talking about? But as we grew up and as we understood what it meant, 
we walked and stepped into that framework that they had set up for us since we were little kids. Well, I love that so much because I think um, there are people listening who need hope for the prodigal. There are people listening who need hope because they're in the midst of the crazy toddler years. And um, and it's hard to sometimes, we don't always see the fruit of those things right away. And so I love that you're sharing about that. Um, I have actually tried to do this a few times with my kids where in the heat of the moment, when again, you feel like letting those words slip out that you will regret and apologize for later, being able to pause and kind of sometimes it is that Holy Spirit prompting that says, okay, just pause, take a deep breath. What does it look like in this moment to actually speak the truth to them and over them? And when I have done this, first of all, your kids are just so confused. Like they are just like, what? Like, why are you not yelling at me? Like you're just, you know, but being able to say like, even to my daughter, like you are kind and you are like, this is who you are. And there is this thing that happens inside of them where they go, oh, oh, it's almost like you're right. Even if we don't see the outward action of it, it's like that is actually who I am. And so I think that's just a great reminder for all of us listening to be able to speak the truth over others. And then even through this book, and like I said, with the journaling, this is learning to hear God's voice and speak the truth um, over who we are. And I just think this is so powerful for anybody listening um, that you are able to clearly hear what God says about you. And how do we do that? Well, first we do that getting in the word. And like you said, um, that verse where it talks about I'm chosen. I know there's a season of life for me where things felt really hard and I'd go for these little morning walk jogs that I called wogs. I'm not going very fast, but I'd be going along and I'd be like, I'm chosen. I am called. And just like saying this truth over me and it didn't feel like very dynamic, didn't feel like anything spectacular is happening in my life, but I'm letting my mind hear the truth of who I am and so it's not, um, it's not like this repetitive mantra that I'm like, oh, this is going to do something. It's like, no, no, I'm speaking the truth out loud. Um, I'm letting um, the spiritual world know, hey, this is what's happening. Just so you know, um, I'm also letting my mind know it because my mind needs to dwell in the truth. Yeah, I, that is so powerful. And I think that that's so crucial. My dad always used to tell me, us boys, and he, not like, in a weird way, but it'd be said always, you need, he said, you need to talk to yourself. And he said, you need to speak those things of life over yourself, just as you were saying. So I think that is absolutely so crucial because the things that we allow into our mind, it formulates so much of our thought process. Like our, so I don't, I don't know if you know this, but our subconscious is what makes 96% of our decisions. So the things that our subconscious is made up of is what we allow to hear. So, you know, that can be music, movies, words spoken over you. Um, That could be video games, all this stuff. That is what makes your subconscious. So the thing that makes 96% of your decisions is being um, created and being formed by all of those things. So if you allow that process of what the Bible talks about, of the renewing of your mind, Like, that's why it's talked about so much. We actually did an entire course about this, of renewing your mind. If you allow that process of renewing your mind, you are formulating your subconscious, which puts you in those moments to be able to react and respond based off of your subconscious response, which is based off of that renewing of the mind. And and I think it's important to even say, like, when when you're speaking life over someone, 
it's not that you're ignoring the, the things. Like my parents, they didn't be like, hey, you're a prince. And then just like not address something in me. They would always address the thing that was holding me back from getting to that potential. But then what they would do is they would address it and then it would uh, launch me and it would guide me in the correct place. I think what I've seen from a lot of, um, you know, people in my generation and even with parents is sometimes is that you're like, oh, well, I just, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be overbearing or like I, I was telling you before, you know, my mom would be one moment just ripping into us and then the next moment crying over us kind of thing. Like she, she was so, you know, just, she would be so uh, straight to the point and, and want to see more for us, but then so nurturing and, and so loving. And I think that's what we've got to you know, show a great balance of. And that's what God, that's what Jesus did. Like Jesus always, he, he wept over people, but he also always corrected and guided them in the correct way. And he showed them, Hey, what, this is what you need to believe about yourself. This is what you need to speak about yourself. And he never spoke to them in their, <clears throat> he never spoke to them in their brokenness or in their sin. Um, he always called them to a higher way of being. Well, I love that. Um, it does give me great hope for my four-year-old um, who is the youngest of three. And I think there can be something that happens with the youngest where they, they get away with a bit more. I don't know if you found that, um, picking on the youngest today, but I, I have felt like, Oh, I need, I need to up my discipline game with her. And that is a big part. And I, I do think, um, it does help redirect her and guide her. And that's again, what God always wants for us as well. Um, I want to dive into a few labels specifically, um, one that I think definitely applies to this cultural moment, everybody where they're at, um, in the book, you talk about specific labels. Um, the one I want to talk about first is just, um, being offended. So can you kind of unpack that label? Yeah. Um, that one, that one was funny because that one, I started writing the book or the chapter and I was like, you know, my dad wrote beta Satan. So this one's going to be easy for me. I was like, he taught me all this stuff growing up. I will just communicate the things that he taught that he wrote in his book and I'll just help it. And then I got about like a third away through it. And I was like, you know what? I need a personal story. I was like, God, can you give me a personal story? Like maybe someone comes and shares with me, like the, how they were offended and the process that they went through and how they got over it. Um, and I remember two months later, I got, that was the worst prayer I could pray because I got trapped in the trap of offense and I did not realize it. I felt, I felt like I had been so wrong. Um, I, you know, it went through this for 10 months. I felt like there was no way I was in the wrong. I, I was like, you know, people didn't understand what the person had done to me, all these things. Um, and people kept taking the other person's side. It was so frustrating. And then I remember after 10 months, so it's actually a full year since I had prayed that prayer, I, I was actually reciting all of the reasons why I had the right to be mad to my fiance at the time, my wife now. And I just realized halfway through the conversation, I was like, I'm offended. I was like, oh my goodness. And I think that's the thing about what I'm seeing from my generation right now is we are really quick to grab hold of an offense and really slow to apologize. And we are, what we're doing wrong is that we are seeing people um, and I think this is absolutely amazing about my generation is that we are really like socially injustice driven. Like when we see a cause, a worthy cause that we want to get behind, we are fully behind it. We jump on board. But I think the problem is, is what, when you begin to be offended and see other people as the problem, you are completely missing the heart of God. No matter what cause you're getting behind, no matter what thing you're, you're going after, because people are never the problem. They are our mission. And if you start seeing people as the problem, you are missing 
the heart of God. And the offense is something that will just continue to dwell up in you. It will, I mean, it will cause you to act out in ways that are wrong. And I think, you know, I think we've seen that in 2020 is that there was a lot of people that were hurt um, and hurt people sometimes can react out of that place. I know when I went through my offense, I reacted and I, I, I took out my hurt on people that did not deserve that. They did not, you know, I'm not saying anyone deserved it because I don't think anybody, I'm saying like specifically, these were people that were maybe my team members or just people that, and, I, and they, during that time period, I was not acting the way that I should have been. And, and there's a blessing that comes from God when we are unified as his people. And the Bible talks about it. He says that where my people are unified there, he said, there's my spirit and there's a blessing. And I love it with like, you look at the upper room, you know, the upper room, they are trying to decide the next, you know, the next disciple that's going to replace Judas. And I love it because they pick the next disciple based off of a lottery system, which I think if that happened today, you know, they cast lots and they pull sticks. If that happened today, I think there would be a massive church split. You'd have like the people that'd be like, no way. Like they were never picking a disciple based off a lottery system. You had the people that'd be okay with it. You had people like that just separate, but yeah, be wrong with it. But I love it because in the upper room, like they chose wrong. You know, Peter chose wrong and the Bible talks about it because it, the, the replacement disciple was actually Paul. That's why Paul said, you know, I am one that is born out of due time. And Jesus, God had always chosen Paul to be the replacement disciple. And you see that because the person they pick in the lottery system, you never hear his name ever again in the Bible. But yet I love it because after they do this, after they make this decision, regardless of if it was the right decision or not, they said that they were, the Bible said they were one and then the spirit of God fell. And I'm telling you right now, we have a lot of churches, a lot of people that are, are not churches, that's just what I'm, I'm saying, the, the church in general, which people of God that are dividing over all of the wrong reasons. And we are not going to see the move of God, the blessings of God come upon this earth until we are unified under his name. And now unification is not conformity. It does not mean that I believe exactly the same thing that you do. Because like I said, there's probably some people that believed else, elsewise up in the upper room and thought it was a better way of picking a disciple. It does not mean that I, I have to adapt all my thinking to, this, to the same as yours or to the same that the person I'm offended. No, it's just continuing to see this person as a brother or sister in Christ and being unified through that and, and having those hard conversations. Like I said, my, my family, we always, I, I talk about it as the, the body of Christ is one big family. In my family, we always had the hard conversations. We had those conversations that were awkward, that were that were just, you know, you didn't want to have um, because we did that to fight for relationship. And maybe sometimes we end the conversation not seeing completely eye to eye, but we would still love and accept one each other. And just, just, I mean, I remember my parents actually, they used to do something again, this was weird, but they would always make us brothers hug each other. After we had a big fight or argument, they'd be like, you know, now hug your brother. And I'd be like, I don't want to hug him. Like, I'm so mad at him kind of thing. And, and they were like, just hug him. And so we'd have to hug him, which would like make us just kind of relax a little and, and like, just know, hey, you're still my brother. And so that's what I think is one of the, one of the things that is going to hold back our generation more than anything else that we have to understand. It is a trap from the enemy and we cannot fall into it. Well, I love that you highlighted too, that you were listing out the reasons to your fiance. And that's often what we do. And sometimes it's actually just in our head. I talk about how we have these conversations in our head, yeah. driving in the car, in the shower. And if you find yourself 
having an argument with somebody in your head and trying to figure out how you're going to win, there's a solid chance you're operating in a fence. And so for somebody who's like, ooh, I've never heard of this before. I've never thought of this. What would you say is just a very, um, what's a practical step for kind of like, you had that aha moment of like, oh, yeah. I'm offended, which is huge. Yeah. What would somebody then do to kind of get out of that place? Yeah, I'm so sorry. And I'm drawing a blank right now, but I, there's a, there's the Bible verse that talks about when you're offended with someone that you fervently pray for them. And I think that's always the opportunity that we have is to fervently pray for that person. Pray and believe for things in that person's life that you want to see in your life. And I think as you do that, what you are doing is you're softening up your heart. When you find yourself in those moments of like, I have this reason to be offended, all of these things, and you're going through that list. What you're doing every single time is you are hardening your heart. But when you have that opportunity to be able to pray for that person, you are you are grabbing hold of, I love it, prayer. I, I've always seen prayer as grabbing hold of the heart of God. And you are grabbing hold of the heart of God for that individual. And I think that gets you to a great place. Um, because here, here's the thing. God says he, like people people say God doesn't hate. God says specifically in his word that there is something that he hates. And he hates it when there is there is brethren that sows discord amongst the brethren. He hates it when there's there's gossip, there's slander, there's offense that is going on in his body. And in, in his body. And he does not like that. And so we have to make sure that we do not, like like I said, you know, even actually like, like what you said, is that we do not have the, you know, conversations with the wrong people um, where we're spreading gossip and all these things because we're sowing discord amongst brethren. That's what God hates. But we uh, grab hold of what the heart of God is for that individual. So I just say, you know, as, as people are navigating offense, people are navigating um, you know, feeling that they were mistreated, that in those moments when you are just wanting to list off the reasons that you just begin to pray for that person. And that yeah. sounds super cliche, but it literally says it's it so in good. the Bible. I wish I could tell you exactly the scripture. Um, I, I we, know we, can, exactly. we can Google it. It's okay. We can Google it. Um, <laughs> Show notes. Totally. And I, um, I just love what you shared there. I've, I've had some episodes in the podcast already about uh, cultivating a soft heart and also an episode on offense. And so if that's something you feel like in your heart right now, you're like, oh, I feel like my my heart is hard, maybe from reading comments on social media or um, various art. Like that, that's an easy way to harden your heart. Just read any I, comments anyway. Yeah. And I was going to say too, please, like, I don't think anything has been ever solved on social media. Like getting into an argument, I, like, my parents had taught us this when we were little kids because we used to get it. And this was this was really mean by people. But when we were little kids, we would get people like sending us all of this awful stuff um, as we were little kids, like saying that my parents were uh, like serpents and things like that. And they would send us videos of interviews where my parents would be like, look, this light shined just like this on so she's a lizard like kind of thing. I'm like that's my mom like what are you talking about kind of thing and and I used to respond to every single one of them and be like get get all mad and things like that because I was a little kid I was probably 12 years old and yeah, first time I had my Facebook um and people had access to me in that way and I, I found nothing ever like no I never was able to change anyone's mind when people are said in that you cannot do that but healthy conversations in person like I remember we had recently someone who uh, was offended with something that we had done. And and they wrote this big, long email. And what I did, rather than responding back to the email, is I just gave them a call. And they were so thrown off that I would 
take, take the time to have the phone call with them rather than just listening to this email and have that they were so thrown off that they realized like, hey, actually, the thing that I was mad about was not actually even that that's the wrong heart. We were able to both hear each other's hearts. You can't hear people's hearts over social media. So please, please stop trying to win arguments over social media because it does not work. Well, and I love what you said before about that idea of praying for somebody softens your heart. You can get the heart of God for them. And then usually what happens there is you go, oh yeah, this person is not my enemy. This person, um, and it actually does redirect you to go, okay, there's a real enemy. It's not them. And so it actually helps you be able to pray for them and have God's heart. So that was such a beautiful image. Yeah, I'm um, telling you, there's going to be blessings that will come into your life as you grab hold of that. Like it, it's, it's absolutely incredible. That is, that is the principle. Like that's, that's written in the word of God and, and you will watch that happen. I'm not saying, I'm not saying like, if you forgive your friend, uh, the next day you're going to need a hundred dollar bill or something like that. I'm just saying there is going to be amazing blessings. And that, that blessing might even just be the richness of the presence of God. I know that when offense happens there, it feels like there's a barrier between you and God, because God does not want you to be offended with one of his sons and daughters. He, you guys are brothers and sisters. So I think it's just so important. I know there's a blessing coming your way if, you, if you're brave enough to take this step. Yeah. Well, I think also just um, making the steps to forgive is huge. And, um, you know, there was this one time where I had two of my kids fighting. And again, I do the thing where I have them apologize to each other and hug. But then I remember having one daughter apologize to me because I realized they're fighting. The word she'd used against her sister deeply hurt me. And it mm -hmm. did give me that picture of God where it's like, oh, when we do that against each other, it grieves the heart of God. And so that really like kind of flipped a switch for me in terms of what does it look like to, to interact with each other with God's heart. Yeah, I um, Well, I want to wrap it up here because we've had so much rich conversation. I feel like people have had lots of great takeaways. Um, I want to know as kind of a last question, what is next for you? Now that you've written your bestseller, you're working on Sons and Daughters, what is next for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, we, we're doing full steam ahead with sons and daughters and, and doing a book. Um, I think it's awesome. I will say, and this is actually the first time we probably talked about it, but God's placed this desire in my heart for business. Um, I want to see the kingdom of God furthered through business. And I think, you know, what I've, I've always been taught as a kid is um, not so much that ministry is an occupation, but it's just who you are. And so I always want to do ministry 100% throughout my entire life. And that's going to be, you know, continuing to, you know, speak to people and, and do different things, write messages and stuff like that. But I, I know that there is an area within there, like I love it. Um, I think it's talked about in Thessalonians, where it's talked about living a good life. And he talked about, he said, you know, work, he said, work a business, or he said, work and your trait. And he said, do it so well that people look at you in this honorable way that they want to know like, hey, you, there's something so special on your life. And so I just want to continue to keep uh, following what God's placed on my heart in those areas. And with sons and daughters, this is something that we're always doing, always going to be doing, always wanting to see people grab hold of that. Um, but I just, I feel like that's kind of where God's directing me next and we'll see about that. But um you know, COVID, COVID has created such an interesting thing where it's just allowed me to really look beyond 
uh, my normal way of, of doing things. Well, that's awesome. We will be sure to be following along and seeing where God leads. And um, so once again, Arden's book is Redefined, Confronting the Labels that Limit Us. And yes, um, so much of this message is geared towards a millennial generation, but this is, I've read through this book. This book is for all of us in this moment. So grab that, grab his dad's book X, grab all of his mom's books. Just, you'll be blessed. Trust me, you will be blessed. Arden, thank you so much for being on Ready to Thrive. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an honor. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right, and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but... When someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.